Today on the Splash, we react to the Socceroos one all draw with Denmark and the other Group C game that took place overnight. It's time for your daily dose of Sporting Agenda, your audio edition of the Fox Sports homepage. The Splash with your host, Phil Pryor. There is still a pulse for the Socceroos in this World Cup in Russia following all the action that took place overnight. And on today's edition of the podcast, we're going to react to all that plenty of talking points to come out of it, of course. So joining me uh, in the podcast bunker today is the full Fox Football uh, editorial team. Uh, firstly, Carly Adno, welcome back. Thank you. Thanks uh, for having me again. Indeed. Max Sherry is also here. He started at 4am, uh, but also watched the Socceroos games. So that's pretty impressive. Welcome to your uh, debut on the on the podcast, mate. Thank you, Phil. Thank you for having me. Uh, and Jake Rosengarten has phoned in who uh, finished his uh, Fox football shift, I believe, at 5 a.m. this morning, right through uh, the World Cup action that took place overnight. Uh, Jake, big effort to join us today, mate. I wouldn't miss it for the world, mate. Um, <laughs> keen to have a chat. Always all things World Cup. Now, considering the effort you're making, I'm going to uh, hand over to you First of all, okay, so the Socceroos have drawn one all with Denmark. In the other game, France uh, beat Peru 1-0. Uh, as I mentioned off the top, there is still a pulse. Uh, what was your, uh, what's your initial reaction to the, the Group C action that took place overnight? Is it one of optimism? Um, well, absolutely. I mean, the Socceroos, while they didn't completely get the job done, it was it was actually quite a quite a good showing from the Aussies. And against the world's uh, the world's number twelve side, they they actually looked the better team after ninety minutes all said and done, despite a slow start. Um, and in the other game, um, France got the job done. And as, essentially, it's Peru have nothing to play for against the Socceroos, while France is still vying for top spot. So should should France get the job done against Denmark and the Socceroos? Peter uh, largely uh, should be uninspired for considering they're not playing for anything, then the Aussies uh, have a very good chance of going through. So it's actually a very positive night of results for us. Yeah, for sure. And we will look at the um, the scenarios uh, and the tiebreakers and all that stuff um, moving forward. But I'll hand over to you guys now as well. Um, what did you make of the, of the Socceroos' performance? The more I think about it, the more I'm a bit frustrated at the result because I think the Socceroos had more than enough chances to win that game. There was only one team who looked like scoring in that second half and it was mm. the Socceroos. And um, I think Bert van Marwijk, he, he said it after the game. Australia should have four points by now. Um, so I think it was a, it was a missed opportunity. And while it was a, a, a good performance and they did really well to bounce back after conceding that early goal... Um, they could have and probably should have won that game. Max, I, I suppose you give us a more um, objective uh, view on, on the soccer on the Socceroos. Uh, what did you make of it? Yeah, I, I completely agree. As a not-so-proud Englishman, I kind of give the, <laughs> the neutral view. But, yeah, frustration. They should have won it. Should have taken their chances. I only watched um, the first half, obviously, getting up at 4 a.m. 
and went to bed thinking, oh, this is terrible, they've been awful. Got up this morning and turns out second half, different ballpark, like different game, played really well and the highlights I've seen should have taken their chances and as Bert said, they should have won the game, should have taken it to them. But yeah, frustration. Yeah, for sure. Um, Look, probably the biggest line to come out of this game um, is the fact that uh, there were numerous opportunities in that second half where the stage was set for Tim Cahill to come (laughs) into the game. uh, And look, I I won't swear, but... You can. uh, And and I'll start with you, Jake. Um, What the... Is Tim Cahill doing in the squad if he was not used in that scenario, particularly where Andrew Naboot goes down with about 15 minutes left, does his shoulder, um, and the replacement needs to be made? Um, well, I don't think the, the injury to Naboot actually is a factor because Tommy Urich was actually warming up prior to that injury. But um, uh, look, it, it does look damning on paper. I mean, the fact is, the stage is set. You need a goal. It's a big game. Tim Cahill sitting on the bench, the man who's he's done it time and time again for the Socceroos. He's he's the big game man. He's the he's the man who comes who comes into the game and changes the game. One moment scores the goal, and the fact that he's sitting there and he's not called upon, honestly, I, and I hesitate to say it's a mistake from from Van Marwijk because this is a guy who I, I've actually come to to really trust the Dutchman just. Purely because, I mean, on face value, you, you look at it and, and, and the situation warrants Cahill. He, he should be in the game. But um, the fact that Van Marwijk's been working with him for a number of months and he's, he's underdone, he hasn't had the football. And um, I know it's, it's a somewhat of a hot take, but I think there's got to be some reason behind the decision not to use him. Questions must be asked of the manager, why Tim Cahill was not used with 10 to 15 minutes to go. That was what Mark Bosnich tweeted. Do you guys reckon that there might be another reason at play as to why Cahill didn't come on in in this instant? My only thinking is that Bert doesn't think that Tim is in peak physical condition that you know, and obviously we know he's had limited game time at Millwall, but by all accounts he's in as good physical condition as he was in his 20s according to Socceroos medical staff and you know, he, he causes such havoc in the opposition mm. boxes. He's a nightmare for defenders to defend in the air. And, I mean, not only that, but him jumping in the box would just draw defenders to him and it would likely open up an opportunity for another player to get in there and get the goal. Also, the last five goals Australia have scored in international football have come. Four penalties and a free kick. The last player to score in open play was Tim Cahill. Have any of the players looked likely to score in open play not that I've seen Mm. so what have you got to lose by bringing on your best ever goal scorer in that situation the you know the the Danish team wouldn't be thrilled to see Cahill come off the bench in that scenario particularly a tiring Danish team Max I'm I'm trying to think of uh, any situations in that match where any Socceroos players looked threatening aerially from uh, from the ball's um, coming in from the likes of Lecky that were being created out wide. Exactly. You know, they bring Arzani on. Lecky's swinging balls in. Arzani's driving at the defenders, whipping balls in. There was a chance late in the second half. 
where's the presence in the mid? It's like what you said at the start. Why is, why is he in the squad yeah. if he's not going to play? And, I mean, you know, he's got the experience, like you said, Carly, limited game time at Millwall. But Millwall's still a solid club. He's there training every day. He's in peak physical condition from what we can tell anyway. Mm. Why is he in the squad? Why yeah. is he in the squad if you're not going to play him? It doesn't doesn't make sense, to be honest with you. I mean, Juric looks half-assed injured. Mm. Um, the boot's not really a striker. And your two best centre-forwards are sitting on the bench in Cahill and McLaren. It doesn't make sense to me. The other thing I, I can possibly think is maybe... Bert has said to Tim, look, the game against Peru is your opportunity. They're, you know, they're smaller players, not as physical, I guess, as Denmark and France. And that's going to be your game. You know, you, you can't, obviously, you're, you don't have the minutes behind you to play more minutes than that. And perhaps he's told Tim, all right, Peru, that's going to be your game. Mm. Of course, now we're relying on other results as well. 50 goals for his country, the 38-year-old, um, and... Fingers crossed uh, we can have one more big moment uh, from Tim Cahill. Big moments need a big screen. Uh, and Samsung has teamed up with Fox Sports for the World Cup, putting a Samsung Series 7 65-inch Q7 QLED TV valued at 5299 Tell us in 25 words or less your favourite Tim Cahill goal and why. Go to foxsports.com.au forward slash win to compete. And there are points for creativity. Uh, that is foxsports.com.au forward slash win. Uh, Jake, Nona Boot moving forward. Uh, what will Bert Van Marwijk likely do up forward with his striker? Well, judging on what he's done lately, it, it really seems like he's he's going to play Tommy Urich, um, to be honest with you. But I mean, an underdone Tommy Urich. <laughs> um, that, well, it, it's believed that Tommy Urich is back to full fitness now, and he he hasn't looked all that injured. Yeah, like certainly last night, he he looks fine. He looked at full fitness, but I mean, obviously he's got a he's got a bit of a conundrum on his hands. He's got Jamie McLaren waiting there, which a, a lot of soccer fans want want to see Jamie McLaren unleashed. Like he's coming to the tournament in great form, despite despite that uh, that whole situation regarding him being dropped and recalled. Um, I mean, Timmy Cahill sitting there could get the chance. Um, Matthew Leckie has been known to play up front, obviously, in the boot injured. Um, but, yeah, it's an interesting decision to be made. Yeah, exactly. Um, do you guys have any thoughts on, on what they what they will likely do? Well, I think I, I agree with Jake. I think the likely scenario would would be Juric um, at the front. I always Tommy Juric, Tommy Rogic. Um, <laughs> Juric up front, that would seem the most likely. I know Leckie has been played up there before, but I think that would take too much away from the width uh, that, that he offers mm. Australia. I, I think that would be the wrong decision. Um, but Bert really has to go for it. There's nothing, there's nothing to lose. There's nothing to gain by sitting back. They have to go for it. They need the goals. They need a better goal difference. So I would hope that Daniel Azani starts instead of, Robbie Cruz, um, he made a huge impact as soon as he came yeah. on against Denmark. Um, so yeah, I would expect that to be the other change. And yeah, Lecky and Lecky and Arzani on the flanks is a tantalising prospect is. heading into yeah. this game, right? Um, yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, Arzani, Max, uh, how good is he? <laughs> he was unreal. The kid's good. Yeah, he's pretty good. <laughs> he can play. He yeah. can play. Yeah, I mean, individually, he looks brilliant. 
you know, out wide. He could see him even drifting through the centre, playing through the middle if, you know, he's not getting any luck at, at either full-backs. But he looks good. He looks obviously still young. And heard a lot of people say that the reason Cruz is getting picked over him is because of his defensive duties. I can't see Cruz being massively strong in defence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't see Arzani being weak there either. You know, I, if that's the reason, then that's it doesn't make sense to me again. A, another person who should be in that squad or that starting 11 for sure. Mm. Jake Rosengarten, can you see uh, Arzani replacing Cruz in that starting 11 on the left? Um, personally, I would I would definitely play him. There's a lot of people who think he's still a bit raw. I mean, I, I do want to talk about Robbie Cruz though. Um, <clears throat> Robbie Cruz is, look, he, he, he is a whipping boy for Socceroos fans. He has been time and time again. And, and last night he, he really peaked frustration for, for a lot of people. I mean, there were people on social media yelling, screaming, uh, and uh, up in arms, get him off the pitch, get him off the pitch. I mean, look, it, it wasn't, it wasn't the, it was the type of showing that was just frustration. Is It's just the only word. I mean, he, he just represents the, the endemic scoring issues which are plaguing this Socceroos team. They just cannot find the net. And he, every time they get into a good opportunity, he seems to somehow be on the end of it and he somehow botches it. And it just, it's painful to watch. I mean, they, they need to score goals and he's the man in the position and he can't get the job done. Whereas, with Azani on the pitch, they look infinitely more dangerous. The, like the kid comes on and he's just he's driving at defenses. He's he's confident. He's taking on players. He's he's whipping balls in. He 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 sort of he, he took he takes a shot on like five minutes after coming onto the pitch um, in a, in a really dangerous position. Which he just he, he's just got the confidence. He he's, he looks he looks a weapon. He looks dangerous. Mm. And I think the soccerers really need that. I think against Peru, we we have to we have to try and score goals because we have to win. Yeah. So for me, I think he has to start. Yeah. How yeah. well has he dealt with the pressure also? I mean, he's mm. got the eyes of the world on him. The ever, ever yeah. You know, people are talking about him ahead of Tim Cahill and the Australian team, and he has just dealt with this pressure unbelievably well. He showed glimpses last night of this, the potential that he has and how far he can go. And the fact that he is this 19-year-old youngster um, comes on with loads of confidence, so much pressure on him, but he performs, he delivers. Mm. He's just relishing this situation. If you're a if you're a player, if you're a Socceroos player, and you're looking around, you're hoping for something to come to come good, and Bert brings him on this injection of pace, energy. You're, it's uplifting, you know. You, you get around that, and seeing someone like that, having someone like that in the team, whether mm-hmm. we all know he pretty much should start, but even him coming on as a sub, you know, it, ch- it changes the game. It's changed changed the game in friendlies, and it's certainly changed the game in these two games that they've had in the World Cup so far. Yeah, uh, he just has to start. That's that's the bottom line. That, I think that's what the whole of Australia are thinking. Uh, in the other game that happened overnight, Croatia downed Argentina 3-0, um, which throws a massive spanner in the works in Group D, uh, which sees Croatia at the top. Iceland um, and Nigeria will play later today. Um, Argentina still in the mix as well, but their hopes have been dashed, basically. And whoever uh, finishes second in that group will play the winner of Group C, so likely to be France, um, which you would hope gives the French incentive to go out there uh, and play really hard against Denmark uh, in uh, their final Group C game. Um, Whoever finishes runner-up in Group C will play the winner of Group D, which looks likely to be Croatia, 
at this point. So as we move into the third and final games uh, for, for the four teams in Group C, as it stands right now, France will play Denmark, Australia plays Peru. If the French beat Denmark and we beat Peru, basically, we will go through uh, based on the tiebreakers, which uh, I'm about to list. Unless Denmark somehow managed to lose 3-2 or something like that, where they all of a sudden have scored more goals than Australia uh, and we were still to finish level in terms of goal difference. Say we beat Peru 1-0 for example. Um, So heading into this game, we can only hope that France is able to beat Denmark and we can um, put a couple past Peru essentially. Um, but then it, it might come down to other tiebreakers, Carly, and we were having a chat about this before. Say, for example, um, both sides finish... Uh, sorry, say, for example, France beats Denmark 2-1 and we beat Peru 1-0. Us and Denmark will both finish the ladder on four points, an equal second. We will both be the same on goal difference. And we would have both scored the same amount of goals. So then it would fall back on, well, how did that matchup go? Australia v Denmark. Who scored more goals uh, or who won that game? Well, it finished 1-1, as we know. So next on the tiebreaker is fair play, uh, which basically comes down to a points scenario where you receive minus one for a yellow uh, minus three for a yellow and a, uh, and, and a second yellow, uh, minus four for a red, um, and minus five for a, a player that receives a yellow, then a red, which is obviously very unlikely. As it stands right now, Denmark has conceded four yellow cards, Australia just two yellow cards um, from that opening game in France. Should that finish all level, then it's, it's a coin flip. How ridiculous is that? Outrageous. <laughs> Imagine... Going out on a coin toss, I can't imagine anything more heartbreaking and unjust. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Live I, on TV as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've done a lot of talking in the last couple of minutes. Jake, help us out. Um, do, is there enough incentive for France to go out there and play hard against Denmark, do you reckon? Or can you see them resting a couple of players? Oh, without doubt. I mean, it's, it's finishing top of your group and finishing second of your group makes a, makes a huge difference to, 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 your, to your path to the final. And, and for a team like France, they they want to go all the way. They're, they're, they're pre, one of the pre-tournament favourites. They've got uh, just an embarrassment of riches. They're a great side. And um, they'll, they'll want to make a statement. They'll want to finish three from three. And um, they'll really want to go out and show the world against Denmark that they're, they're a force to be reckoned with. And uh, also, yeah, but as you mentioned, they'll, they'll secure themselves an easier draw should they, should they win. Mm, uh, even though probably pre-tournament they were thinking they they just don't want to uh, somehow find a, a, a Argentina in this next game, but it looks like <laughs> they will they won't. Yeah, it looks like they might be going home anyway, which is uh, which is really it's quite astonishing uh, to think about. Jake, did you uh, catch much of of that game? Uh, Croatia uh, beating the Argentinians three 0 um, yep, I caught about uh, fifty or fifty-five minutes of that game, and I, I tell you, what, Argentina are not not at all looking at a force to be reckoned with at this World Cup, which is obviously bizarre considering they both Lionel Messi, um, whose credentials really don't need overstressing. But it's 
it's really just a, an odd situation. And I mean, um, Sam Pauli just he said it overnight. He he, he believes that the, this Argentina side is, is clouding is the word he used. Messi's brilliance, which is just bizarre. <laughs> I, I can't I can't really find a find the word for it. I don't think Messi's done very well to step up to the occasion, really. And to be honest, he hasn't always performed that well for Argentina. And his commitment to the national team has, you know, hasn't always been there. He did quit for a while and then came back. So, um, yeah, and also the the record of South American teams in Europe isn't isn't great. So I'm not altogether surprised to see Argentina struggle in Russia. Max, you saw this game uh, this morning. France probably don't want Croatia next up, right? No, completely right. You're um, bang on there. Croatia yeah. look good. Croatia look very good, very strong. And as Jake said, Argentina look flat, really dull, really boring, not gelling well at all. Their coach, as Jake said, came out and said that they're not gelling well, which doesn't bode well, you know, with your national team coach who, you know, if you're the national team coach, you're not there to, you know, it is called a coach, but you're not there to coach them. They're not going to learn from you. They're not going to learn new tactics, learn how to control the ball in a certain way. You're not teaching them that. You're, get, you're there to get them together, get the team chemistry going, and get the team on a run of however many games it is to get to the final, five, six, whatever it is, you yeah. know? Yeah. And for him to come out and say, oh, he's pretty much holding his hands up and throwing in the towel there. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's pretty bad. But, yeah. yeah, to answer your question, Croatia look good. France might be a bit worried if... Uh, it, no, it's not France, sorry. Who would Croatia match up against? Uh, the runner-up. Assuming Croatia goes on to win Group D, they would take on the runner-up of, of, of our group. So How? Denmark or the Aussies, depending on what happens next. I, mm. There'd be a lot of happy fans in Australia if it was Australia-Croatia, I tell you. Would be, yeah, well, would I, I, be huge, and, and I can assume Croatia would uh, be thinking revenge after <laughs> what, <laughs> what happened back in 06 as well. So that would be uh, extremely interesting. Uh Jake, uh, what else has caught your eye so far this World Cup? Or what are you really looking forward to in the next few days before we turn our attention to um, Australia, Peru at midnight, Tuesday night, early Wednesday morning? Um, I want to I talk unlucky exits, actually, because we, we've seen a pair of sides in Morocco and Peru who have played excellently in this World Cup, and uh, they're already going home. They've <laughs> played 180 minutes, and they're, they're gone. It's it's, yeah. it's been a remarkable, remarkable tournament so far. I mean, the Morocco especially have just played excellent football, and just they've been punished for essentially the the tactical setup of this World Cup is is such that set pieces and um, penalties and uh, there's just no goals from open play, and they just have been they just can't find the net, and it's just it's it's a, it's it's astonishing. Peru as well looked great in the second half against France, created a raft of chances, and just are going home regardless. It's the ruthless nature of this tournament. Indeed. I guess you don't get any time to find your feet, or really, you know, you you, you have you pay for missed opportunities, and it's just the way it goes. Same for Australia, in, outside yeah. of about a, a ten minute period. Yeah. Um, uh, as Bert said straight after full time, he feels like they deserve to be on four points, um, not one point, uh, after two games, which is. Very interesting. What about what about you guys? Uh, what's caught your eye? Hey, can we start calling him Ozzy Bert? Because I really feel like he's become emotionally invested in the Socceroos. There was yeah, all this talk yeah. beforehand that this was a business relationship for him. He was purely, he didn't like the nickname Ozzy Bert. <laughs> <laughs> um, he was purely there to 
do a business job to try and get the Socceroos out of the group. But he really seems like he's invested himself in, in this group of players and he's created su such a... There's a lot. There's cohesion. The, the players have really got behind him. They back him, and I guess you just kind of wonder what he may have done with this team if he had been there a bit earlier, if he had had a bit more time to prepare with them. Um, but it is. A, it's really good to see him so invested in the team. I think the only it's, it's going to be a hard breakup for him. Yeah. The only reason I doubt his investment is the Tim Cahill thing. <laughs> <laughs> he just under, Every, does, doesn't everyone understand else the in Australia yeah. knew that that was Tim Cahill's <laughs> moment, but. Clearly, Bert missed the memo. <laughs> That's what true. about you, Max? It's the longest run in a World Cup tournament to date that there have been no nil-nil draws. Wow. wow. There has been... Interesting. It's been goals galore for, you know, and uh, there has been a couple of one-nils, you know, the, the big teams haven't necessarily been firing on all cylinders. And in probably, in reality, the... Only the Belgians out of the top eight teams have looked really, really impressive, other than Russia, who have obviously Surprised. qualified. Yeah, yeah very yeah. much so. Yeah, They've yeah. looked good. Um, but yeah, there's been no nil-nil draws so far in the 20-something games that we've had already. So, yeah. I'm wondering if VAR has something to do with that, because there have been a few more penalties awarded Indeed, in this yeah. tournament than there mm. were last tournament. So. Uh, as Jake said, which... which um, it's kind of a, it's an irony, really, the fact that uh, that teams are finding it so hard to score in open play. Yet we haven't had a, had a nil or draw <laughs> yeah. yet. I mean, what do you, what do you make of that? It's it's a that's that's a tough one. <laughs> mm, yeah. Uh, Jake, thank you very much for joining us. Big effort from you. Go and get some more uh, sleep before uh, coverage continues. Cheers, mate. Thanks for having me. <laughs> and thank you uh, very much. Uh, to Max and Carly for joining us on today's edition of The Splash. Uh, Thank any, anything Phil. else to add before we wrap this thing up? I think we've pretty much covered it all, really. Yeah, we have. Um, England? Looking forward. Oh, yeah. Go the <laughs> Who are the Poms got next up? Oh, I don't want to know. <laughs> oh, they're not looking too bad, though. Yeah, they're all right. Did yeah. you see the starting 11 got leaked? The England um, yeah, right. assistant coach um, accidentally held up a little clipboard of the of the starting 11, few uh, interesting inclusions, Oops. but that's still to come, I'm sure. Oops. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> wow. So we, when's, uh, I'm just trying to flick open the, the thing. So England have uh, Panama up mm. next. Um, that's on Sunday, Sunday evening, I believe, Australian time. So we look forward to that. But as we said, still plenty of the really strong nations uh, like Brazil uh, and Germany and Belgium to play a second game. Mexico as well, Sweden. So um, it's it's early. It's very early days, mm. despite the fact that we're talking about early exits already and teams qualifying uh, to the round of 16. So it is a really cutthroat tournament this uh, this World Cup, um, and uh, and that's why we love talking about it. So thank you very much to uh, to both of you and to Jake for joining us on today's edition of The Splash. Good luck with the rest of your coverage as we move along. We'll chat next week. Uh, and until next time, that's a wrap. <laughs>